Welcome to WKJP News Radio. I love it. <laughs> I am your host, Jordan, here with my beautiful wife. My name's Kayleen. <laughs> and this is the podcast where we watch news radio, the sitcom from the 1990s. Mm-hmm. I love it, and I've seen it many times. Kayleen has never seen it. I mean, that's mostly true. I've, I've probably seen one episode here and there, but I know virtually nothing about it. And I know too much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Kayleen, I want to ask, as we get started here, how are you doing? It's the end of the school year. That is stressful. Today, I had a hard day, not going to lie, but this is probably the high point of my day right now, so it's nice. Excellent. It's nice to spend time together. Yeah. I was excited to watch the episode, I will say. I feel like I'm always looking for like, I just tend to watch the same shows over and over again, so it was nice to be like, oh, I'm doing a new thing. So that was good. That's great. Yeah. Okay, so we are going to be talking about season one, episode one, The Pilot. Mm-hmm. Now, just to get us into the mindset, this premiered on March 21st, 1995. So I think I misspoke last time. I think I said news radio ran from 94 to 99. It's actually 95 to 99. So five seasons over four years. Hmm. So where were you on March 21st, <laughs> 1995? 1995. I mean, I was in fifth grade. So this premiered Tuesday at 730 Central Time, which is where we both were. So where would you have been on a Tuesday at 7.30? Probably in bed. Yeah, me too. I mean, like, where did... Although, you know what? My mom tells me I always stayed up really late. I was probably in my room reading. Yep. <laughs> Realistically. I was probably in my room reading. Maybe my parents watched it. So, yeah, I was in fifth grade. This was right before we decided we were going to move from Tennessee to Minnesota. Uh, okay. Oh, then I must have been older then. I must have been like in seventh grade then. Yeah, you would not quite have turned 13. Oh. The lead-in show, do you want to guess? For some reason, I want to say The Cosby Show, but that feels like it's probably too... That's Yeah, that's a lot earlier. Yeah. So the lead-in was Wings. Did you ever watch Wings? I did! Yes! That was a show I did watch Interesting. as a child. Okay. Yeah, I I don't remember. There was like a woman and two men, I think, in that show. And they would like banter. <laughs> yeah. And I, I knew as a child, I was like, they're talking about things I don't understand. Like grown up things. But I remember, and it took place at like an airport, like a small airport. And they were both pilots. Like a small airport in New England. Right. And like the lady was like the... Dispatcher okay, I just realized I might be getting wings and tailspin confused. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, they would have all these crazy adventures. Rebecca, and... what was called Kit Cloud Kicker. Yeah. <laughs> I might but I feel like the Wings is still there was like a woman and she like ran This is about news radio. Let's talk about news radio. <laughs> all right. So the lead in was Wings. Uh the competitors on the other two main channels were something called Under One Roof. On CBS? No. Nope. <laughs> Never heard of it either. No idea. And Thunder Alley on ABC. Hmm. All I can think of is Thundercats. Okay, so I was thinking <laughs> of a bowling alley. Yeah, no. Uh, and I thought it might be fun just to orient ourselves to, again, March 21st, 1995. What do you think was the number one Billboard Hot 100 single that week? You know I'm not good at stuff like this. I didn't know it. I had to look it up. Something by Michael Jackson? Whitney Houston. You're in the right ballpark. Billy Joel. All right, I'm going to play it for you. (gasps) TLC? No. You're in the right ballpark. I have no idea. This is Madonna. Oh! Why did I think it... Okay. Because that sounded like a real R&B intro. It did. Yeah. Here, I'm going to skip ahead. I'm sure I've heard this song a hundred oh, times. Oh, yeah. This is an unbelievably forgettable song to me. Like, it does not stick in my head in any way. <laughs> Define music. <laughs> oh, no, I remember that. Okay, so, talking about the pilot, 
Dave Nelson begins his job as WNYX news director, but first he has to fire his predecessor. Directed by James Burroughs, who has directed over a thousand episodes of television. Wow. Yeah. Uh, written by Paul Sims, who I think wrote a lot early on. Uh, the theme song is by Mike Post, who did a bunch of theme songs for a bunch of different things. He did the Law and Order theme song, hmm. Rockford Files, Hill Street Blues, so a very accomplished theme song writer. So I thought it would be useful to just kind of talk over the plot a little bit. Sure. Kind of walk through it. Well, can I jump in? We were watching it on a DVD, and um, as I started playing it, there were subtitles on. That's not unusual for us because we often have subtitles on when we watch TV just because we are people that like that. But the subtitles were not in a language I recognized. And so I went to the DVD menu. Do you know what language they were in? Portuguese. Portuguese. Why? And that's the only choice. Yes, it is the only choice on those DVDs. I was so confused. And so I turned it off. Why is Portuguese... Why is that the only option? Was this show really popular in Brazil? This is a very good question, and I don't know the answer to that. But yes, I knew that actually about <laughs> yes. the DVD set, is that it's only got one subtitle language yes. option, which is Portuguese. Yes, I know. <laughs> I actually learned a little Portuguese. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I watched the Portuguese subtitles. Sometimes. That doesn't even surprise me. Yep. We have a cold open. Dave Nelson walks into the lobby and banters with the security guard and then finds he's in the wrong building right as he's about to make his grand entrance at exactly nine on the dot. I thought that was actually kind of funny. Yeah, it was. I feel like it aged well. Like, that could happen now, too. You could still easily go to the wrong location for your first day by accident and then find out it was actually two streets over or whatever. Like, Siri told me the wrong one. (laughs) Right, right. I thought that was a good cold open. Yeah, and then there is a very short title sequence with the theme song. Um... I believe that's not actually the one that gets used even later in this season. I think that might be one that was just kind of thrown together for the first episode. Oh, no, I think it was the right one. It's the same song, but I don't think it's the same visuals. Oh, maybe. I guess I wouldn't know. Yeah. But the song was the same. Yeah. Good try. (laughs) All right. So then scene two, we're in the station and Dave meets Mr. James, who's the boss. So... It might be useful to think about this in terms of what is a pilot supposed to do? To me, like a pilot is supposed to set a setting, right? Create a setting and introduce characters and introduce conflict, Mm -hmm. which it felt very much like this entire episode was like vignettes of meeting characters. Totally. Like here's this character and here's what they're about. And here's this character and here's what they're about. Um, one of the first things I wrote actually on my notes, cause I took notes was that this felt very much like watching a play. Mm. It felt very much like theater to me and everything was so choreographed yes. in like that natural, unnatural way that theater is choreographed. Yeah. And so like, that was kind of interesting. Cause again, I haven't watched shows like this in a long time. Like yeah. this isn't how shows are really made. Who knows? Maybe there are still shows on network television, but like we don't that we don't watch that are like this, but I just kept thinking like, oh, this reminds me of a play. And like the way that they would like cross across the set and Mm -hmm. like one person would say a line and then cross in front of the other and another person would say a line and they'd cross in front of the other. And it just, it rolled very quickly too, especially the first scene where he meets the boss. What's his name? Mr. James. Mr. James? Mm -hmm. Is his last name James? Yes. They always call him Mr. James? Okay. That felt weird. So I don't know whether they say this in the pilot, but his name is Jimmy James. Okay. I think Dave probably addresses him most of the time as Mr. James. Sure. Kind of out of respect, sure. but a lot of the other characters do call him Jimmy. Because um, that that character, Mr. James, he speaks very quickly. Yes. And, like, so he kind of, like, drives the action of the scene. Like, and it feels like this frantic, like, that's the comedy, right? Yes. Is that it's, like, this frantic pace that he's moving at, and then Dave is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Very much so. <laughs> yeah, Dave Foley's very good at playing flustered. Yes. And he plays flustered basically this entire episode. Well, that's what's funny. So he's flustered the entire episode until like the last beat where he's like. Yes. <laughs> we'll get there. Okay. So yeah, I totally agree with you. I yeah. think a pilot is supposed to introduce the uh, setting, like you said. And I think we have a really good representation of what the station is like. You know, there's and only four places they shot. Yeah. Like the bathroom. Yes. Very briefly. The like lobby. Yes. Of the building. radio station. 
the lobby of the radio station, oh, and then sure. like in the actual station, and then in the office. Yes. If you, I guess you could count the cold open as well, but sure. otherwise it's like the entire thing is shot like in four rooms. No, you're totally right. Um, yeah, one kind of continuous set. Right, which again feels very much like 90s. Yeah. You know, like that's how Friends yes, yeah. was shot too. Um, so I think it does a good job of introducing the setting. I think it does a good job of introducing each of the characters and you definitely have a feel for each of these characters and what they're like mm-hmm. by the end of the pilot. And not only that, but you also you get a sense of how each of them relate to each other right. already. Right. And I think it does a nice job of doing that in fairly few strokes. Uh, it also introduces some conflict. Yeah, and actually we've got one of the main conflicts of the series already laid out in this pilot, which is, is Dave going to be a good boss? He clearly seems oh, in over his head. Sure. He clearly seems like he's got to manage a bunch of uh, big personalities. And then there's also something going on with him and Lisa. Yeah, that, that kind of... Let's get there. Okay. So, yes, Dave meets Mr. James. I just like their rapport right away. <laughs> I think it's just a really funny joke that uh, Dave says he just wants to be the best dance station manager he can be. You can tell he's clearly, like, kind of tailoring his personality for the, the kind right. of response he thinks Mr. James wants. That's and called it, personality mirroring. Yes. And <laughs> Mr. James immediately shoots him down and says, that kind of strong language doesn't fly with me, <laughs> which is really funny. <laughs> That's just a, a funny joke. I also like how he takes a phone call in the middle, and you have to think, like, oh, this is 1995. He must be very important if he's taking a mm. call on his cell phone. Um, I was mostly just grossed out he took it in the bathroom. That's true. Like, that's still, to me, that I just, I think that's gross. Yeah. All right. Whether I, it's 95 or 2025. Like, I, you, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't have a phone in the bathroom. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> I totally agree with you. Um, I think there were not... Uh, these kind of sensitivities to norms at the time, but um, I really liked the joke where he said, Huh? Well, make it fast. I'm in the middle of telling the guy why he's so special to me. No, no, it's work-related. Yeah. <laughs> Just thought that was a funny joke. Uh, okay, so then Dave meets Ed Harlow, played by Kurt Fuller. Yes. Do you recognize him from anything? okay. I knew we watched this separately, so we didn't watch these episodes together. And I knew I recognized him from something. And I was like, damn it, if Jordan was sitting next to me on the couch, he would say, you know what he was in. And then you tell me. He has those sunken eyes. Yes. The like sad, weird murder eyes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I still don't know. I still don't know, but I'm like, the second you say it, I'm going to go, oh, yeah. Oh, I wish I had some clear answer for you. I read his IMDb What was he page, from? And uh, he's been in a million things since the mid-80s. So I'll have to read it. I'm going to have to read his IMDb page. There was no one thing that jumped out to me as like, oh, that's where I know him from. But mm. he's on a bunch of things. So um, hmm. it, I'll have to read it. Yeah. Listener, uh, write in. Tell us where you know Kurt Fuller from, if anything. <laughs> where are they writing to? I'll get to that. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so Dave meets Ed Harlow. Uh, Jimmy tells Dave that he has to fire Ed. Again, initiating the main conflict of the episode. Um, Then we have Jimmy kind of walking around introducing Dave to various people. He introduces Dave to Lisa. She's on the phone, and he tells her that he's the new guy. This is where we find out that she really wanted to be the... Not quite yet. Oh, wasn't that it? Nope, it's a scene or two later. Oh, yeah. Yeah. okay, never mind. Then Jimmy introduces Dave to Matthew and Rick, and then introduces Dave as the new sports guy. I immediately clocked Matthew's sweater vest. Oh, good. I'm glad you did. Oh, are you? Yes, Yes. immediately. Because also, Chandler wore a lot of sweater vests in Friends, Uh and so like I feel like that is a thing that I notice. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why. This is like synchronous with Friends, right? Because Friends didn't... Friends premiere in 93 or 94, so that had maybe been going on a season or two already Probably. on the same network. I also have a very fond memory of someone very close to me who used to wear a sweater so vest. So moving along. <laughs> uh, then, um, so uh, initial thoughts on Lisa or initial thoughts on Matthew or Rick? I mean, Lisa, to me... She is the uh, the brunette. <laughs> oh, with the, the, the brown-haired woman. The brown-haired woman. It's <laughs> very normal-looking. Yes. Um, yes, that, she's the one I was thinking of. And then I saw, her name's Mora. 
Mora Tierney. Yep. That's a really pretty name, mm-hmm. Mora. I really like that name. Um, I don't know exactly why, but it felt very obvious to me that, like, oh, and here's the love interest. Maybe because she's the... Well, there's really, like, only two women. Yes. Right? Three. Three women. Um, And she's the only one that had the energy, I felt like, of somebody that would be a potential love interest. Sure. One of the things I also wondered, there's this scene where she goes into, like, a, a, a booth to record. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. I don't know. Like, she's, like, recording a commercial, and I'm like... I, I kept wondering, like, is this what news radio stations are actually like? So often they're like, like, you're on the air in three, two, one, <laughs> right. go. And I'm like, is that really like that in there? I don't know. So I think we get the sense from her right away that she is a very hard worker and a very busy, kind of efficient, but very uh, high energy person. And that's why she's on the phone and snapping her fingers right. at Dave to give her a pen, what's to write a thing down. She seems um, anxious. Yeah. And she's got kind of an anxious energy. Yes. And he fo- you're right, he follows her into the booth, but that comes up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, next, uh, there's Beth and Dave and Ed in Ed's office. Um, I forget what happens in that scene. Maybe not too much, but that kind of introduces the office that becomes right. Dave's office for the rest of the series. Right. Oh, yep, and then Dave and Lisa go into the production booth, uh, like you said, uh, and Lisa's recording something about, uh, I forget what it is. She's taking notes on something about pandas in the Central Park Zoo when she's on the phone, and then she goes into the production booth, and she's talking about Chinese herbal medicine. And I just remembered the guy on the clip she starts playing going, Chinese medicine. Yes, that's that's right. Yeah. The cure yeah. for the common cold could be right. Like so much of that. That's why it felt like a play because it just felt like these random things yep. that were kind of like the energy of the whole episode was very high. It felt like the whole time, and I kept kind of like, "What was that? I don't really know what's happening." Okay, on to the next. Like sure. it's meant to just feel like this fast-paced, frantic. Yep. Feeling. Yes. Um, did you clock anything about Rick? Who's Rick? <laughs> <laughs> Utterly forgettable. So Rick is kind of the handyman guy. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> Rick is kind of interesting just in the sense that he is gone after the first episode. So oh. we never see Rick again. He is replaced by Joe Rogan in the second episode. That's what I thought. Yes. I Because you said Joe Rogan was in this and I never saw him. And then I felt like he had that, I don't know, burly dude energy that yes. I felt like, oh, this is going to be Joe Rogan. Yeah. Okay. So Rick is just... Mm, guy they have for the pilot he did a fine job he just makes no impression whatsoever as a character he makes some joke about them going into the booth together and then lisa's like shut up rick but it's not even funny (laughs) um one interesting fact is that you know who they considered for the part of the handyman and actually tried out with ray romano oh he kind of has that energy but apparently he just like did not mesh with the rest of the cast at all and it was just kind of the wrong timing because this show is very fast-paced right and, moving around and he's a lot. slow and he's more like ah, oh, no. oh yeah Deborah. yeah yep so they go to the production booth and lisa tells dave that uh ed's not gonna be around for very long because she's going to be promoted to news director and dave says wait has mr james told you that and she goes no but i've been working so hard right and that's where we kind of learn that like she's a hard-working Easily overlooked, probably. Also, the fact that, like, and again, I get that, you know, the 90s, not a time for social justice and feminism, necessarily. But, like, watching that through a 2021 lens did bother me a little bit that, like, here is this woman in the office who has proved her worth and is clearly busting her ass to impress her boss. Mm -hmm. And he hired an outside hire Mm -hmm. without telling anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she's just supposed to be okay with it. And then in the end, surprise hire. She totally right. Like, yeah. Like an outside hire. That's like not even, not even given the respect to like interview or anything. And then at the end of the episode, um, Dave helps her save face and pretend like she didn't even want the job and has to be grateful to him. Mm -hmm. That's bullshit. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, it yeah. is. And, like, I just feel like in the 90s, that just was the status quo. Like, of course that would happen, and then the mm-hmm. woman should just be grateful that she gets to keep the job that she already has. Uh, mm, 
I'm not sure that I would have read it as she should be grateful to continue in the job she has. And also, I will just say, like, knowing what happens throughout the rest of the series, it it would be a mistake to read Lisa as being in any sort of, like, inferior position to Dave. Like, I think their sparring and their back and forth goes, they, they give, each give as good as they get. And in a lot of ways, she's ends up being the sm- smarter and cannier and more... Um, sure, uh, but I'm just saying from, like, a professional standpoint, mm-hmm. like, even if she's the more capable and more... To me, that just proves that, like, she, she should be the station manager and she should have been... In, Mr. James should have hired her. Well, just for the sake of argument, it's not clear at all that she put her name in the hat as wanting to become the station manager. There's no evidence either way that she I guess. know that she wanted the job. I just, I just feel like she was, mm-hmm. like, it just feels like it perpetuates a stereotype about women and um, the way that women are overlooked for managerial positions. Like, and that has been happening for a very long time. And sure. like in the nineties, obviously it still was. And like, it was like in the pilot of the show that mm-hmm. like, this was going to be a plot point that like the job that this woman wanted and was probably qualified for was not even offered to, offered her. to her. I agree. In any type of way. I agree with you there that it, and that like sucks that it was not even offered to her. And Mr. James makes a point of saying he interviewed like 30 people Right, and it's almost like, it's supposed to be, like, funny. That, like, oh, like, oh, they gave it to him and she didn't know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, okay, I hear what you're saying. You know, like... I'm I'm not sure... Like, if that happened to me, that wouldn't be funny. You know, like, let's let's just say in my job, I had, I I had, I'm just saying, like, if I had credentials for a promotion at my job... Uh Right. Let's say I had gotten a license and I had credentials to be promoted in my current job and there was an opening and I had spoken with my manager, my boss. And I was right. But like, yes, if I'd been there for a long time or whatever and I was proving myself and then I found out that there was a random outside hire or they had been interviewing and I didn't even know about it. Sure. That wouldn't be funny to me at all. I would want to leave that job. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, the outside hire thing sucks. Regardless of gender. Sure. That, I mean, not being promoted from within is its own shitty thing. And I agree with you about, like, the perspective of uh, women getting passed over. I think there's an implication that Lisa is very hardworking and very good at her job and very competent. But she expects that will be enough and that she will simply just be recognized for her good qualities and promoted. As opposed to maybe playing the office games of being willing to like step up and say, Hey, I want to, I want that job. You need to interview me. Right. Well, that's like the boys game. Like that's, that's, that always happens to women. It does. It totally, that always happens to women. I'm not disagreeing with you. Okay. I'm not disagreeing with you. Mr. James seems like an asshole. Like when it comes to hiring, he does. Okay. I, I don't feel like we have enough detail at this I'm point. Just, well, like he just, say that. Well, Okay, between the fact that he's making Dave fire the person, yeah. I get that it's a comedy show, but, like, yeah. he's a pretty shitty boss. Yes. <laughs> like, that's it, not how you should, like, be with people. Agree. <laughs> he is uh, not a, a model boss. I totally agree. And I think his motives are supposed to be somewhat cryptic. Because even at the end of the episode... Um, when Dave makes him promise that if the time ever comes to get rid of Dave, it'll be Mr. James himself who tells Dave and doesn't have sure. his replacement fire him. Right. 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 And, uh, and Mr. James says something like, well, maybe I'm just making this all up as I go or something like that. So right. his motives are supposed to be a little well, cryptic. Well, even the fact that he like left to go to a sporting thing and then he comes back and he's like, Oh, I just bought a sports team yes. or whatever. Yes. Like it's supposed to be comedic, but I just, Okay, this is why I have you on, is to get a fresh perspective. To get a woman's perspective. All right, that's all for the podcast, folks. We're done. (laughs) I'm just saying. It's more where this came from. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, I expected Matthew to be a bigger character. Like, I maybe because I just have memories of Andy Dick 
as an actor Mm -hmm. doing a lot of like outlandish and terrible things as an actor that I expected his character for some reason to be more boisterous Mm. or louder or more uncouth. Mm. But he was kind of more sad sack. Pansy. Pansy. There you go. That's a good word. Um, than I thought he was going to be. So he gets a lot more play. Like, everybody gets right. a lot more oh, play sure. as the show goes on. Um, and I think this is actually pretty representative of his character's personality, which is different than Andy Dick. Andy Dick is kind of boisterous and obnoxious, and uh, Matthew is more of a sad sack, kind of mm-hmm. a schlemiel. <laughs> He's, sure. you know, more of a pansy, like I said. Um, so Dave and Ed are in the office, and Bill McNeil, played by Phil Hartman, comes in to complain about the Al Gore interview. Uh, this is our first introduction to Bill, though we've heard him speaking on the air kind of throughout as people pass through the main station. Oh, I didn't realize he was in the booth the whole time. Yes. I didn't even notice that. Yep. And so he kind of banters with uh, Dave a little bit, says, you're from Canada, eh? Which uh, is kind of a joke because those two actors are actually both from Canada. Phil oh. Hartman's from Canada and so is Dave Foley. Oh, I didn't know that. Um Wisconsin, actually. Wisconsin, cool. The Badger State, the nation's dairy land. Great country out there. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite line of his, I love cheese. That line made me laugh out loud. Okay, great. Two lines in this episode made me laugh out loud. Okay, so this is what I want to be a recurring segment. I want this segment to be called Actual Lulls. And anytime (laughs) something actually makes you laugh out loud, I want to hear about it. That was it. I wrote it down. Love cheese. Yeah, that one one made me laugh out loud. That was good. Yep. Uh, So, yeah, I think that right away you get a sense of the dynamic between Dave and Bill, which is Bill trying to suck up or be smarmy or kind of... Uh, manipulative and just not having it at all, but also kind of like respecting the back and forth between them. Right. So Bill threatens to speak very slowly. Right. If he doesn't get the Al Gore interview uh, and Ed takes this as an affront and he quits because Catherine tells Cynthia Beth that she should get the Al Gore interview and so Ed says to Dave, you tell Jimmy he can find some other idiot to run the station. Dave helps Ed quit, and then he's very proud to tell Jimmy that Ed quit on his own, and they worked out. And Jimmy says, uh, actually, Ed quits three times a week. Right. <laughs> we need you to fire right. him. Um, I liked the line, sometimes he comes in on weekends just to quit a few times without interruption. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. So Dave doesn't get off that easily. He has to actually fire Ed. Matthew tries to convince Ed to do a New Yorker of the Week segment. Ed shoots it down cold just not even vaguely interested <laughs> and then Matthew cries at his desk <laughs> that's right yes that's where I got like the kind of the sad sack feel totally. so Dave kind of confides in Matthew he's trying to comfort him a little bit uh, tells him Dave tells him oh Matthew I thought this was cute that he's going to be the new news director and Matthew's pretty relieved about that I just thought it was cute how he was like, don't tell anyone. Yeah, don't tell anyone. And then, like, he, and, like, you knew. I mean, like, it, again, it was one of those jokes that you're like, oh, okay, like, we know what's going to happen. But then, like, there's three people and then, yes. like, five people. Like, I thought that was really cute. And, again, it, it felt very much like a play yes. to me. One thing I'll also point out, and you can see this from the very beginning, is Matthew always calls Dave David. Mm. And mm-hmm. everybody always calls Matthew Matthew. He's never Matt. That's like our friend, though. We have a friend like that. that yep. We call and Matthew I, and we don't call him Matt. Totally. And I remember telling him early on, I don't know that this made any sense to him when I was trying to explain oh. it to him. I just did. When I first met you, I could tell that you were a Matthew and not a Matt. And I think he was He's, totally and He by said, that. okay. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Matthew tells everyone pretty much right after he finds out uh, Lisa's feelings are hurt, but she plays it off. And like you said, Dave says that Jimmy offered Lisa the job, but she turned it down. That's right. I'm very happy where I am. I'm not at a point in my career where it's worth it to me to fire someone so I can take their job. <laughs> okay, so uh, Beth offers to fire Ed. Uh, and uh, Dave has a funny line to Beth where he says, thank you for your... Let's just call it Moxie. <laughs> that was, you can just tell he's kind of not sure what to make of her. Um, and then she suggests that maybe maybe he should fire Ed right now. Just like on your first day in prison, you're supposed to act crazy and beat someone with a chair so no one will mess with you. Um, 
So Dave uh, then actually gets pushed into the booth under the guise of being the new sports guy, and he totally messes it up. He seems to not actually understand that he's on the air. And because he totally messes it up, Ed, quote-unquote, fires Dave, and uh, Dave actually has to go into the office with him and says, Ed, do you know the meaning of the word irony? I, I actually liked, I thought that was kind of funny. Like, I like this type of comedy. We talked about that before, where I kind of like the two people have an understanding of a situation or like one of them isn't quite understanding what's happening and then they have to like sort it out. Like I kind of like comedies. That was a very Frasier moment. It was a Frasier moment. You're right. Yeah. So Dave goes into the office with Ed and the staff all talk about uh, Ed's imminent departure. And Matthew has a funny line. He says, Lisa, it is still a very sad thing when a member of the family has to be terminated. <laughs> and that is the second law. <laughs> Was that, it? that is the second lull of the episode for me. That made me laugh out loud. <laughs> that was good. Uh, Dave comes out, explains that he's fired Ed. They gave him a memo, which I don't really quite understand. Did he have the memo already written? Or did he stand in his office yeah. and start writing a memo and then hand it to him? That's true. Either way, it comes flying out of the office at Dave's head. So Bill immediately senses the change in power and starts asking Dave for the Al Gore interview. Dave immediately gives the uh, interview to Kathy. He says, Why? Because I'm the boss, Bill. That's why. That's why, Bill. And I will not be manipulated. I will not be contradicted. And I will not be intimidated. And Bill starts going on and on about how uh, right. brave and such a... And I won't be sucked up too or... Sucked up too either. <laughs> and then Bill's got a good line. Well, you've eliminated all my options. All that's left is backstabbing. Right. <laughs> Which is basically what he does for the rest of the series. Huh. Um, so Ed leaves... He says he's going to WXYP for a job. He's got a standing offer to be the news director from Tom, Tom Novacek. Um, after he leaves, people say, I guess uh, somebody should tell him that WXYP went out of business three months ago. And then Rick gets a line where he says, the place never recovered after Tom Novacek Right, passed, right. kind of funny. The last scene, it's Jimmy and Dave in the... So does Ed ever come back? Or is Ed, that it? Ed's gone. That Ed's was gone, it. baby. Um, I don't know if you noticed this. I, I thought if I watched this again, I would count. They said Ed a million times. Not just, not just they. Dave himself Dave, says right. Ed over and over again. Right. Like, yep. what is, like, it felt like, it a, kind of like a pleading thing. Yes. You're like, Ed, hey, Ed, 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 Ed hey, Ed. Ed. Yes. It was, it was annoying. It I noticed was annoying. that. I know. I, that's, I've got that written out of my notes, too. Uh, so Jimmy and Dave are in Dave's office. Dave asks Jimmy, like I said, to make sure that if the time ever comes, Jimmy fires him personally. Then Dave says goodnight to Lisa. She says, maybe I'll get this job someday. He goes, yeah, maybe you will. And then she says, yeah, like three or four months. Hmm. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cute. I think that's just totally in her personality that's like, yeah, uh, you know, I give you three months. Sure. <laughs> and then I'll have this job. There's that weird eyelash thing that just doesn't... The, Something about the blocking or the physical picking an eyelash off somebody's face I mean, just doesn't work. I get that what they're trying to do is like there's a there's an intimacy there. There's a, like a physical contact between them. I also noticed that like after she left, I don't know if you noticed. Did you notice that he blows it off of his finger? Oh no! Yeah, like making a wish. Exactly, which I was like, that's such a '90s thing, also. But um, but then I was a little bit also like, that's her wish. It's her eyelash. <laughs> He took her eyelash and made a wish on it. Oh, does the person whose eyelash it is get the wish? I think so. I thought it was just whoever finds the eyelash or picks... I mean, not like, you find, <laughs> not like you find an eyelash on a street or on a desk or something, but like, if I pick your eyelash off, don't I get the wish? Because I blow it off? You're describing finders keepers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know. We should look that up. But I did notice <laughs> that, yeah, he, makes a, he blows off, off of his finger, which I was like... Oh, now he's making a wish that Lisa will fall in love with him. Oh, that's interesting. I had never thought about that. I guess I just assumed, like, what, is he going to, like, wipe it on his pants or something? I mean, that's how you would get an eyelash off your... Sure, paper. you just, like... Do you ever do that? Do you ever still make wishes on eyelashes? You know, I don't... I have. I can't remember the last time I had an eyelash on my finger, honestly. I don't feel like I... See, maybe my eyelashes don't fall out anymore. Mine do all the time. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, weird. Yeah, I think lately it's been because of allergies. I'm constantly, like, rubbing oh, my eyes. Sure. And I often get eyelashes. No, I can't remember the last time I made a wish on an eyelash. That's oh. kind of sad. Hmm. I don't know that I... Yeah, I think I do, but I think I keep my wishes very mundane. I wish for, like... I wish it was sunny. Uh, yes, I wish... 
there won't be traffic driving home or something right. like that. Um, okay, and then Jeff Adams comes in. He's the new sports guy, and immediately Dave is... Oh, that was cute. And then he talks out. about, like, Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, freaking out and paranoid and thinks that, oh, no, is he here to replace me? And his, you know, he immediately grabs his back, like his back starts hurting, like he's Ed. Right. Yes. yes. Um, That's right. And so Dave quizzes him, and it turns out he actually is the sports guy. And... Uh, then there's a freeze frame at the end. I don't know if you saw that. Uh-uh. They freeze on the handshake between Dave and the oh, new sports guy. Really? Yeah. Is that new sports guy actually a character? Do we nope. ever, we never see him again. Never see him again. Uh-huh. Although he's a character actor, and I tried to look up the things that he's been in. I've I know I've seen his face, just like I know I've seen Ed Harlow's face. He's a character actor um, named Wallace Langham. According to IMDb, the thing I know him from the best is he's the voice of Andy French on a cartoon I used to watch on Adult Swim called Mission Hill. And that is kind of a recap of the plot. Anything else that we didn't get to? So in my notes, um, I kept track of how many laugh tracks. Like Like how how many many laughs. How many times you heard the laugh track. Yes. Okay. More. 25? More. 30? More. 40? More. 50? More. 60? More. 75? More. 90? Slightly less. 85? 88. Okay. 88 times. So that's... uh, And I'm positive I missed some. I'm positive I did. And so if it's a 22 minute show, that means it's what, four times a minute? That's a lot. That's a lot. I I, I won't do that every episode, but I just wanted to see like four... For science. It was interesting because I wanted to see how many times do I laugh out loud? How many times does the audience laugh out loud? But I did notice. I mean, like, the laugh track, it, it didn't bother me. Like, it wasn't distracting, I don't feel like. Because I'm, I'm used to, I'm, I'm familiar with Full House, so. Yeah. After I went on and on about laugh tracks. Yes. <laughs> the yes. previous episode. Yes. So, did you actually think that there was any chemistry between Dave and Lisa? No. There wasn't enough of a, again, it really turned me off that like he took a job that she wanted and feasibly deserved. Like that to me is not a good start of a romantic relationship on a show. For what it's worth, what should he have done? I'm just saying like if I were it's right. It's not his fault. No, I know. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying that's that could totally happen in real life. But I'm saying if you were creating a show and you want the audience to be sympathetic to two characters and you want these two char- you want the audience to believe that these two characters are going to like be in a relationship or have interest in each other, you create a crappy power dynamic right off the bat mm-hmm. like that. And that, that, that turned me off. Mm. I think as actors, they did a fine job of like, she definitely seems like the dominant personality in their relationship. Yep. Um, and I and maybe there is a like you know he's the boss, uh, but she has more of an aggressive or an assertive personality. So in some ways, she actually wears the pants in the relationship or I whatever. I I hate that too. Um, but again, it's the '90s, so it feels like those tropes are well worn, you know. But again, in, in 2021, it's just infuriating a little bit. But yeah, I I thought like their little their little like chat at the end was cute like it was nice yeah i thought so too um i will also say one thing i noticed is that there is a real physical contrast between dave and ed and i think that that's probably uh a choice a casting choice to make (laughs) the guy who played ed so physically large and imposing that Mm -hmm. the idea of like dave uh, who's a pretty small guy i think right and i think he's actually a fairly short actor trying to fire this large, imposing, hulking dude. Also, oh, just speaking of fashion, because, uh, you know, you clock the sweater vest right away, um, I got a kick out of Bill's brown-checked sport coat. Yes. I noticed that, too. Did, I think it had elbow patches on it. Oh, did it really? I think so. I didn't notice that. I noticed uh, Ed was wearing an orange sport coat and maroon tie, which he looked so schlubby. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the men's clothing in general just, I feel like, didn't fit any of them well. no. no. Um, well, this is also the mid-90s where, like, mm-hmm. suits were just not as fitted as they are today. Um, okay, I've also got a quick segment, and 
Um, I think it should be fairly short for this one, but it's called Yo, It's the 90s. Uh, so I just wanted to point out the 90s specific references that occurred. Mm. So we already mentioned one, uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Right. And I thought it was kind of funny that he doesn't call him Shaquille O'Neal, and he doesn't call him Shaq. He calls him Shaquille, <laughs> which yeah. nobody, <laughs> I think, ever has. That's Yeah, that's true. Uh, so Shaquille, uh, the Al Gore interview. Right. Right, because he was vice president at the time. And then there's a weird tossed-off joke about how Mr. James is losing money because he owns a lot of shares of Euro Disney. <laughs> That's right. Did you catch anything besides I feel that? like I heard Euro Disney, but I was like, is that real or made up? Which I don't actually know. The only thing I know about Euro Disney is that it was kind of a punchline for late-night jokes in the mid-90s. Mm. Um, I think because no one went. Um and then there's also a joke about Euro Itchy and Scratchy Land on The Simpsons that's supposed to be a parody of Euro Disney. Oh. I think that's it for Yo, It's the 90s. I think there will be more 90s-specific references on future episodes. I feel like in the first episode, you were trying to convince me that this will be bad, but I should stick with it. And, like... It wasn't bad. It's not I, a bad first pilot. So I successfully set your expectations very low. I didn't have any expectations. <laughs> I didn't. Like, I just was like, oh, I'm watching a show that's from the 90s. Like, I don't know. I I grew up watching so many shows like this that it felt like, oh, I recognize what they're doing here. Yeah. So I said this twice already, but I just, I was really surprised at how much it felt like a play. I wonder how much of that will continue in like the next episode. I think part of that is just the multi-cam on a set sitcom nature of it and that we're used to single cam, which can go a lot of more different places and those places don't have to be physically conjoined the way that things are here, right? They have to be able to go through one door and enter into a different sure. room. Uh, I think that's a really smart observation about the set and how it feels like a play and I think that that's going to kind of continue because this show has a lot of high energy physical comedy to it, just in the sense that people mm. are always constantly moving from right. one place to another and um, paying attention to that kind of physicality uh, is a good observation. Um, the only thing I'll, other, I'll point out is Catherine who gets no lines. Yeah. So that is not the actress who plays Catherine for the rest of the series. Okay. Um, Catherine is played by Candy Alexander, who comes in, I believe, in the next episode. And oh. actually has lines and is a real character. Oh, nice. Yeah. So there are three women and... Right, women. right. All right. Now I've got a little game for us to play. Oh, great. <laughs> I love games. I have a trivia round. Mm. So we just watched the pilot. Right. And I have a pilot trivia game for you to play. Okay. So I've got 10 questions. Okay. The category is pilots. Oh, Jordan, I'm going to be so bad at this. The category is pilots. Like airline pilots? The category is pilots. Got it. Number one, this person was the first aviator to make a solo transatlantic flight. Uh, Amelia Earhart. Incorrect. No. That would be... Pride of Little Falls, Minnesota, Spirit of St. Louis, Charles Lindbergh. Oh, I should have known that. That's okay. Question number two. Contrary to colloquial use, this system doesn't replace a human operator, but assists them by controlling the trajectory of craft without constant manual control. Autopilot. Very good. I got one. Question number three. This is the son of actors Jason Lee and Beth Riesgraf. Pilot. Oh, is this a kid that has, like, a crazy name? I'm nodding my head. Uh, I feel like I remember when this kid was named. What is it? I don't remember. That would be Pilot Inspector. Right, yes. Inspector with a K. That's right, yes. Question number four. This is a small gas flame that serves as an ignition source for a more powerful gas burner. The Pilot Light. Very good. Question number five. Pilot whales are not taxonomically whales, but belong in the same family as... Fish. Mammals. 
correct. Wait, uh, pilot whales are not whales. They belong in the same family as dolphins. Ding, 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 ding. Very good. I'll give you that one. It just took me a second. Uh, question number six. This children's author was a fighter pilot in the Royal Air Force during World War II. Dr. Seuss. Uh, no. P.D. Eastman. <laughs> I'm going to say it and you're going to be mad. Roald Dahl. Oh, yeah. Gosh, we've read so many Roald Dahl books in the last few years, yes, too. Yes, I know. That's okay. Question number seven. The company Pilot Flying J is a chain of blank in North America. Pilot Flying J? Restaurants. A chain of gas stations. A chain of... Yeah. <laughs> what? Incorrect. That would be truck stops slash travel centers. Oh, have we ever been to one? Mm-hmm. We have? Yep. There are two on the route from where we live to where we're from. Huh. We'll have to make a stop. I don't remember that. Huh. So number eight. This is the pilot portrayed by Tom Hanks in the eponymous 2016 film, who was known for making an emergency landing on the Hudson River. Oh, I don't know that guy's name, but I remember seeing the video of all the people standing on the wings of the plane in the river, and he was listed as a hero, and then he was like, I'm not a hero, I was just doing my job. That's my answer. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, I'm not going to be able to accept that. I got it. Okay. He had a mustache. Oh, and that is it. I will give you that point. That is Chesley Sully Sullenberger. Oh, yeah, I would have never gotten that. Movie Sully. Uh, Question number nine. This is the governor of the Roman province of Judea, best known for being the official who ordered the crucifixion of Jesus. Pontius Pilate. Very good. Number ten. Last one. This is a musical duo from Columbus, Ohio, known for their Grammy-winning album Blurry Face. And the song Stressed Out. Uh, Stone Temple Pilots. <laughs> I don't think of musicians with pilot in the name. I have no idea. What is it? That would be 21 Pilots. Oh, okay. All right, so let me add this up. You got... <laughs> You know, I enjoy making trivia questions. I'm not so good at the playing. You got five out of ten. I'll take it. Very good. That's pretty good for me. Yes. Uh, at the end of every episode, we give each episode of News Radio a rating on a scale from one to five. One being the worst, five being the best. Okay. And the unit in this case has to be Al Gore interviews. So on a scale from one to five Al Gore interviews, what did you think of the pilot? Um, I'll give it a three. I'll give it a solid three. Like, there was nothing really bad about it. I got two laughs. And, which, it, like, it's just good for me. I'm not a laugh out louder. Like, you are. You laugh out loud mm-hmm. much more easily than I do. Um, but it left me, like, curious to see more. So. Did you want to see more at the end of it? Yeah, I would watch the next. I mean, I'm going to watch the next one, but like, it, I felt like it was. I don't know if the show builds, if the episodes build on each other. I guess I'll learn. There are some arcs, but it is not a. They stand alone. Yeah, it's very sure. episodic. Um, yes, I'll also give it three out of five Al Gore interviews. I thought this was totally decent. It was better than I remembered. It does a lot of the things that we want a pilot to do, which is introduce, like you said, setting, conflict, characters, relationships. So, all right. Um, three and three. The last segment is recommendations. Kayleen, have you been enjoying anything in culture or enjoying any activities or anything lately that you want to recommend to our listeners? Well, I do watch TikTok. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the thing I saw on TikTok that I've been thinking about lately, which is the thing you should say when you smile. I told you about this. Yep. So I saw a good TikTok video of a guy who recommended that when you are having your picture taken, instead of saying cheese, which gives you a kind of false, forced smile, you should go, yeah. And it gives you a happier, more relaxed smile. And I don't know that you really need to say it out loud, but if even in your mind you just kind of think, yeah, 
and then smile. Thus far, I've tried it a few times in some pictures, and I think I look happier. So, life pro tip, I yeah, guess. I like that. Got from t- gotten from TikTok. Um, yeah, I think that's it for me. Cool. Uh, my recommendation for this week is a band called Remember Sports. Uh, they are a really cool band from, I want to say, uh, I should have looked this up beforehand. I think they're from, like, Pittsburgh or something, but... They've got a few albums out. They were originally a band called Sports, and then I think they had to change their name, and so they changed it to Remember Sports, which I think is <laughs> kind of funny. Uh, but they have a new album out, and it's called Like a Stone, and it's really good. So check them out. And that is it for our first episode. How do you feel we did? This was our second episode. This was episode one. How do you feel? So this is going to be the format from here on out, as opposed to like the scene setting that we did in episode zero. Do you feel good about this? So last episode was not typical of what an episode of this show Like a was format. Like. Got yes. it. Yes. Okay. So do you feel like this format went well? Yeah. Sure. I like clocking 90s things. Cool. I like clocking my LOLs. Yeah. I did try to write down the lines that made me laugh and like call those out. But um, yeah, I guess I'm a little more free with my LOLs. So I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> think about that, but I'll try to remember that for the next time. If you want to get in touch with us, I have created an email for oh, our podcast. Nice. Yeah. So like I said at the top, I've decided to call our podcast WKJP News Radio. So you can get in touch with us at WKJPpod, all one word at Gmail. I've also created an Instagram account that should hopefully be going. So <laughs> I love it. will be announced there. And I that love is it. Also WKJPpod. Was there a reason you didn't call it WKJP News Radio? Uh, this was shorter and both were not taken. Huh. WKJP Pod was not taken by Gmail or by Instagram. But what if this really takes off and then somebody takes WKJP New- News Radio Gmail? Look, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to exactly it. Exactly right. So for next time, people should watch Season 1, Episode 2, which is called Inappropriate. Do you have any guesses about what's inappropriate? I mean, it's the 90s, so I'm looking forward to finding out. I will say one thing about this show is I think this show actually does hold up pretty well in terms of gender and other kind of relations. I don't feel like this is going to be a deeply embarrassing show where they, you know, use gay slurs or anything. Sure. So, uh, I think that is a good thing about the show. Hmm. Um, okay, just curious if you had any ideas what inappropriate meant. So for next time, watch season one, episode two, Inappropriate, and we will see you in about two weeks. Email us, check out our Instagram, like and subscribe. For WKJP News Radio, this is Jordan and Kayleen signing off. The theme music for WKJP News Radio is the song You Say But You Don't Know by the band Troubles Afoot. You can check them out on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, or wherever you find new music. Special thanks to Uncle Keith for our use of equipment and technical support. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at WKJPPod on Twitter or Instagram. You can also email us at WKJPPod at gmail.com. If you like our show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts to help us find other listeners like you. Thanks so much for listening.